KTN. Connecting for positive change. This podcast is an initiative of the Commercialising Metamaterials Innovations Network, a community funded by KTN. The Innovations Network aims to develop and showcase applications for metamaterials, building a community of academics, industry stakeholders and investors, and aims to make these technologies more commercially accessible to markets. If you haven't already, go check out the KTN page. Uh, You can connect with our community, find the latest news, take part in our events or funding opportunities, and much more. You can find the link in the description of this podcast. I'm Duncan Foster Fitzsimmons. I'm a designer and engineer and founder of the 7th Product Design Studio. Today, I'll be talking with James Johnston, uh, Director of of Program Management at Advanced Materials Developments. I'm really keen to find out how James approaches design in metamaterials, how people like myself working in product development can make use of these incredible new materials, and to swap some notes on creative process. So, hello, James. So, it's it's great to talk to you. Um, I'm really interested to hear all about how you work with metamaterials, um, what you do with them, um, how you how you create them. Um, but I'm going to kick off with a deliberately stupid question, which is, what is a metamaterial? Uh, I know a lot of people like me out there probably have uh, a slightly wrong idea about, about what these things are. Yes. Um, yeah, we have uh, constant debates in the object in the uh, office uh, what a metamaterial actually is. So it's uh, it's a it's a lot it's a live subject. So as far as far as we're concerned, um, it's a material which exhibits properties that don't normally exist in nature. So so basically, um, what that means is that they are uh, synthetically engineered to exhibit properties normally that interact with some kind of radiation or, or sound wave to produce effects uh, for engineering and science uh, that people require for lots and lots of different purposes. So, yes, yeah, so, nor- so normally um, those sorts of materials have some kind of repeating element to them and they may have different types of materials structured in different ways so that these, so that when uh, put together in the bulk, they exhibit these rather strange behaviours. And, and so, does that mean that you know, these metamaterials they are they are designed by you to to exhibit a very particular behaviour each time? Uh, generally, yes. Um, they, they, I guess some, sometimes there's a bit of serendipity, but um, normally there's an element of being able to understand essentially the the structure and property relationships between matter and space um i know that sounds quite highfalutin um but the uh, normally um so matter has uh obviously uh matter is composed of atoms and electrons and things like that and uh, electromagnetic waves have a strong interaction with uh, matter so what you're trying to do is to match properties and hopefully predict some of the uh, the after effects. Now it's quite a complicated process, and I think uh, a lot of the, some of this, if we go way back, was described in the equations of Maxwell, um, which are uh, fiendishly complicated. And I don't profess to understand them uh, properly myself, but there's lots of people in in the academic world who understands the interaction of light or electromagnetic radiation and matter. So designing these things is quite a complicated process. And and with your work at at AMD Nano, um, is there a particular um, 
type of material, type of application, scale of, of meta material that, that, that you guys specialize in and or, or particularly focus on? Um, yes. So um, we, we have generally, we, we, we kind of pitch ourselves as addressing most of the electromagnetic spectrum. So we, we have what I would say is two platforms. So we are specialists in uh, 2D nanomaterials. So uh, things like uh, graphene and other uh, 2D materials. And we also have our, uh, what you, what's you've what's called polymer opals or photonic crystal platforms. So, so there's two different, we have two different streams of uh, technologies that, that we do. So um, most of what we do in the, the graphene area is pretty much to do with the kind of lower end of the uh, electromagnetic spectrum. So we do uh, everything from modifying um, the emissivity of surfaces uh, we can also uh, uh, we can also uh, print shapes that interact with uh, radio waves, um, and then our other technology platform, which is the photonic crystals, we're able to modify the properties of uh, reflected or absorbed uh, light. So we uh, we spend quite a lot of time, uh, in fact, most of our time tuning. And those structures and materials to to give us the properties that we want. So we're we're balancing lots of lots of things between how you synthesise these structures versus how thick they are, um, uh, and what other uh, composites are present around these structures. Is it fair to say? I mean, it sounds to me like a lot of it is is on a, a very thin layer or a surface layer. Is, is that correct? And and you're looking at how it interacts yeah. with other layers that it's layered, like a sandwich between or put on top of. Yeah, so certainly um, in terms of, uh, say, our RF uh, metamaterials, uh, we, would uh, we would say print those and uh, structure them onto another surface. Now, you can layer those structures up in various ways and tune things like the material permittivity uh, which will modify things. You can also vary things like the shape of the thing that you've printed. So lots of people have uh, do uh, repeating arrays, and you can you can you can print those in different manners. Now, the the photonic crystal is more of a thicker material. Um, I, I, I would say, although it can go very thin. So um, what we tend to do there is try to make kind of thicker crystals. So in that sense. We're tuning the additives that go into these photonic crystals. Um, so we, we have a we, we have a, 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 a patent pending system uh, that we uh, from the University of Surrey that we can exploit, and we're constantly looking at uh, modifying those those materials uh, to make the effects uh, that we want. And when you when you say a thick material, I suspect it's a lot thinner than what I usually call a thick material. Yes, no, we're not talking we're not talking centimeters or millimeters here. So it's so when, when this is always the, the always the confusion. Somebody's thick is another person's thin. So um, you, you're absolutely right. You kind of need to um, you need to think about the length scales of some of these things. So um, uh, so for instance, some of our radio uh, materials uh, they're, they're actually quite thick they might be i don't know between 
50 in 100 microns, which is normally about the width of human hair. Um, and then there are other structures we we have which we have made in the in the lab using very using techniques like laminar blodgett films, which are very very thin indeed. Those could those could be a hundred hundred or so nanometers, so they're very very thin. But the photonic crystals could be made. I don't know a few hundred microns, so probably um, about the thickness of a piece of paper or a, a piece of card, something like that. Um, so, but I'm I'm well aware that other th there are you know other metamaterials and structures that are much bigger than that, and you might use three D printing, for instance, or injection molding for those macro structures. We'll, we'll come on to this a little bit later, but yeah, I assume there's there's a there's a certain um, number of, of limited processes available to you to to produce these. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So, um, one of the things I'd like like to ask you is is so in my line of work um, in, in product development, um, I, I'd say nearly every project we ever work on, um, we're either trying to solve a problem for someone, so someone needs something to work and it doesn't work, so we need to create a mechanism or something to, to achieve that, um, or we're, we're talking to someone who uh, has uh, a, an opportunity. You know, there's a, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a market gap or something and we, we're, we're from a clean sheet trying to create a new product or a new, new um, object that, that, that meets that need. Um, is it a similar thing from your side? Um, you know, do, do you, do you, um, are, are you always responding to a particular problem that needs solving when you're creating a new material, or, or are you sometimes exploring promising areas um, and then looking for, you know, uh, opportunities to deploy those new new materials? Yes, it's a yes, it's a good question. Um, so we, yeah, it, 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 I guess what we what we have we have a. In terms of our armory, we have a, a set of technological solutions which could be applied in all sorts of all sorts of ways. And we normally it, it's uh, normally within the team uh, we have some very creative uh, minds that um, are constantly looking for uh, different application areas. Um, so um, it, so we we as part of our um, so if I take, for example, our photonic crystals, we, um, the, our, our fellowship award with uh, Isabella Jurovitz, um, we, we sat down and dreamt up a, a load of possible applications that could be used. And, and she's been working on these for uh, three, four, five years. So it's a case of, um, I, I guess, it, it is inspiration. That's what I'm saying. And then it's... Some of it is then driven by the business needs. So we, we just recently um, completed something uh, called Scaling the Edge program with Belfast University. And this was looking at the, the market opportunities. So, so we might have a madcap idea, and we might have 10 madcap ideas, but then uh, we've just been through this program to sift out whether there's actually a market for it or not. So that's what we tend to do. Um, and not every idea uh, is successful, um, but we generally hear those and ideas from the community. Um, there's kind of themes that people are working on at the moment. So one big area might be for looking at um, 5G antenna. So there's lots of organisations in the UK looking at those types of things. And metamaterials can have an impact on that area. So 
So we're minded to try and work out some solutions for that. And when in, when you see um, new materials in your in your space sort of catapulting themselves into market first or coming out of nowhere, and you know, you know I, I'm imagining what's the meta material equivalent of the iPhone sort of uh, taking the market by storm. Um, is, is do you think is is that happening? Um, you know, um, as as part of very large larger development programs, or or is it something that? You know, people are just sort of happening upon by, by chance, or, or is it where, where people are pursuing a, a particular particular sort of end goal and just just throwing everything at it research wise? Do you see certain strategies that, that that seem to pay off in that way? Yeah, um, well, I think a lot of the very innovative stuff is coming out of the universities um, at the moment. Um, so I, I don't profess to know their their minds, um, so, so and how they how they inspire themselves to invent these new things. But yeah, it's um, you you generally um, it, it's a combination of kind of finding that there's a lot of very active academic materials research out there, and constantly sifting through those. And and yes, there are, there are sort of platforms and ideas that emerge. Um, uh, that you think, oh wow, actually we could do quite a lot with that. Um, and it's, I mean, we've we've focused more. Is, I guess the, the most kind of exciting bit for us is our uh, polymer photonic crystals. So those have emerged in the last ten years, um, and those have uh, emerged from very uh, from uh, very high standard labs. So places like Harvard and MIT, places like that and uh, Cambridge University. So there's, um, we, it's looking at the, the sort of the initial wow factor and then thinking, oh, uh, how can we, how can we utilize some of this in some, in some novel applications? So, so it's, I think a lot of it's from the, the academic base and it's, but the, the issue is it's, it's how to surface those ideas into industry so that they can pick them up. So, Sometimes those communities that, that that there needs to be a bridge between those communities. Yeah. So, so on on that front, you know, um, there are a, across a lot of different new technologies. Um, you often see barriers um, that um, you know hold back technologies from getting into sort of mainstream market applications um, until those barriers are suddenly overcome, and then and then they sort of flood out into the market. Sometimes that can just be that people don't know these technologies exist or they haven't seen them be demonstrated in a certain way. Um, sometimes it can be uh, uh, problems of scalability. You know, you can create something in the lab and it's difficult to ramp it up to mass production scales. Um, what, do you, what do you think from, from your side? Are there certain things that apply generally to, to, to metamaterials um, as, as, as you know, I guess, challenges to overcome next in order to, to sort of Break open wider scale deployment of, the, of these of these technologies. Yeah, I would probably I would probably agree. It's uh, some of this come, but it usually boils down to uh, can, can you can you produce these in sufficient quantity or larger area at a reasonable cost? Um, reasonable cost is usually the determining factor. Um, I've, I've seen that what one of the huge barriers I mean that uh, that I have seen over the years is is taking something that essentially is some experiments in a fume cupboard um, or a or a clean room and trying to scale that into something practical. So sometimes the the 
the scale-up equipment or machinery doesn't actually exist, which makes their life. So what that what that means is that you you have to invest. There's a there's a significant investment of time and money in equipment and and development of uh, manufacturing processes that needs to occur, and that that can cost. Well, certainly seven figures. Um, not not in all cases, but if you have to put together a, a, a significant process, that's going to take a lot of time and effort. And and not all an industry and academia doesn't have access to all of the pieces of process equipment that it needs to be able to do all of this in one consistent way. It's 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 it can be quite expensive. Yes. But it doesn't sound all bad, though. So, so yeah, I guess, I mean, is it correct to say that in, in theory, it's um, possible to scale up these processes, but currently expensive? Um, and so there, there needs to be this sort of, um, I, I guess, sort of uh, coming together of uh, a killer application where everyone involved can see it's worth investing in, uh, in order to get to the end result. Um, and then in theory, yeah, the, the, the processes can be scaled up and can be you know, deployed and applied in different ways. Um, once you know, once everyone gets on board, as it were. <laughs> yes, yeah, certainly, and that that's and and that's um, I I see the role of uh, collaborative projects um, are, are very important here. So because they're because they're expensive and high, and high high technical risk and high financial risk, uh, it makes collabor- collaboration. Um, through public funded uh, like the UK government or the EU, very important to to, to de-risk this, um, and that that's it's it's well I'm, I'm I it's a it's a great way to develop these things, and you you need a you need to think about how you're developing a potential material supply chain at the same time as innovating these things. So it's it's there's many elements that come together, and it's. Not so easy, and I think I think uh, innovators spend probably ninety nine percent of their time trying to figure out how on earth to pull these things together. That's the that is the heart bit that goes to the crux of what we're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so, I mean, on that front, are there um, without giving any way away any big secrets uh, in general across the, the you know your, your field, do you see any particular um, metamaterials that you think are, are sort of going to be the next big thing or if, or if I was to sort of tell my friends and family about it you know is there I mean is it, are there metamaterials that we already have in the home that we don't know about uh, or are there um, or will, are these materials going to start to sort of change our lives in one way or another that uh, you know of the sort that you'd see in the, in the newspapers yeah I guess I suppose the thing because a lot of these materials that you they, they're sort of embedded in the in the in the fabric of everyday objects, so you probably wouldn't even give it a second thought. So, I think one area that I've always that is sort of interested me is around noise pollution um, around the home or the office or or, or generally. And and we're, we're sort of talking about macro structures here, but uh, noise abatement using metamaterials is, I, I think, a sort of a real uh, obvious. Um, there's a real obvious application at the moment, so that that that's I think that's exciting. Um, and and the, I mean, also people are using. I, I guess one of the things I'm going to say this. Um, so I guess the other sorts of things are 
uh, that you might notice in everyday uh, in the everyday world are things like security uh, stamps. So um, making things like false colours or making structures that are very very hard to reproduce um, is a is a very um, simple demonstration of a meta material or a meta surface um, that can provide assurance to people that the articles that they buy are genuine. And does that does that sort of cross into sort of um, holograms you get on your sort of debit card and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's right. So so we we do live with meta surfaces and 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 meta materials all the time. Um, my Say for another example, you, somebody might invent a, a, a light capturing structure for a solar panel. So invent a, a, a concentrator uh, system. Now, you probably wouldn't notice. You, you you would just buy the solar panels because on the basis of efficiency, because they were better than the ones that didn't have them. So, but creating those structures could have a very large impact on uh, the amount of electricity you could generate or keeping things cool. So structuring things in a way that um, uh, where, where you could offset the amount of, uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, climate emissions. So so they, they do have a they, they have such a, a broad applicability. It's the trick is to. The trick is to focus, <laughs> as we constantly uh, say in the office, um, and pursue and pursue those to to their conclusion. It's very easy to get um, caught up in all sorts of fancy things and lots of exciting opportunity. But the, the the wealth is generated from focusing on one or two things and doing them very very well. Right. Well, um, I guess as, as a sort of a. a, a... A big sort of uh, final question, I think, would be if if there are manufacturers out there, um, companies developing products, um, uh, companies manufacturing materials and products, and they are looking to uh, get into metamaterials to find out how they can either get into manufacturing metamaterials or how they can apply metamaterials to help improve their, their products and services. What what should be their first step? Do you think? Well, yeah. Now, now, um, I of course they can, of course they can come and talk to us. But I think it's it's also you need to, yes, searching the academic journals probably might not give. It might be it might take you a bit of time. Um, but I I think things like um, events uh, highlighting what people are up to, especially I think with the KTM, um, that's it. it it provides access to provides access to people finding out what what on earth's going on in this area, um, and then you know talking talking to companies like us or talking to um, people in the catapult or talking to um, the uh, some of the well known universities that are uh, in the UK, and and there's a I, what I constantly find there's a there's a treasure trove of stuff if you if you open the if you open the box there's a lot of there's a lot of very innovative science out there um but yes it, it's the as I said the the connection between the 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 real world application and these sort of fundamental principles that's that's really the key um and and I think it, it events and just talking to people is the key yeah brilliant Okay, well, thank you very much, James. Um, that's been brilliant. Um, thank you for your time today and for sharing your expertise. 
I've learned a lot. Um, and, uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this discussion and, uh, and learned a little bit more about metamaterials in design. Um, don't forget to visit our website in the description, register to the newsletter to receive news and updates and take part in our community. You can follow our podcast channel on Podbean and make sure you don't miss out on our next episode with Anne Toomey, Head of Textiles at the Royal College of Art. KTM, connecting for positive change.